Good morning, everyone. It's Dr. P, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Inspirational Podcast. I remember it was May 2000, and I was on my way home from a neurology conference in Zurich, Switzerland. A friend of mine, Dr. Rob, had joined me on the flight home, but we had to first go through London Heathrow. We la- I remember landing in Heathrow and walking out into the main terminal. And if you've been to Heathrow, I mean, it's a pretty big airport. It's pretty awesome, as a matter of fact. So Rob and I decided to sit down and have a cup of coffee and continue our conversation that we had on the plane. We certainly had a lot to talk about because it was a long neurology conference. We kind of got caught up in the moment and uh, lost track of time. He was under the impression that at London, like here in America, you probably land in the same concourse that you're about to leave in. So, you know, what do you do? You get off at gate 10 and you go to gate 12 and you get on your flight and away you go. So some time had begun expiring and I looked at the clock, at my watch. I said to him, hey man, you better go. He's like, what do you mean? I got an hour before I leave. I said, yeah, but here in London, you have to actually leave this terminal, get on a bus and drive all the way across the airport to another terminal. He's like, what? (laughs) How do I do that? I go, you know what? I'm not leaving for three hours. So let me go with you. Come on, I'll show you how to get there. So we're kind of cruising through the security lines and we get through everything on the bus all the way over to where he's leaving now. And he just barely makes it, just barely gets there. Said a goodbye. And um, I head back all the way back to where my terminal was so I could get on the flight. So then I get back there and I get up to the, uh, you know, to the ticketing thing to check in. I don't have my passport. I'm like, oh, no. How could I not have my passport? I must have had it in Zurich. They wouldn't let me on the plane. Well, apparently, what I did in my haste to help him get on his flight, when I put all my stuff through security to have him look at it, which wasn't much. It was just basically a a little briefcase uh, and a little fanny pack. I, I know, back then we wore fanny packs. Well, I forgot the fanny pack And I just kept running with him to get him to his terminal. And in that fanny pack was everything, all my identification, all my money, everything. So I went to try to leave to go home to Boston. And guess what? You're not going home without a passport, my friend. So I have no idea what I'm going to do. I'm sitting in the terminal. I'm like, okay, here we go. Just another wonderful thing that I'm going to have to learn to get over. And as I sit there, I hear my name called on the overhead or on the intercom at the airport. Yes, we're looking for Dr. Peter Prococo. Please come to, uh, I don't know what it was, British Airways um, uh, customer service. So I wind up there and they go, is this your passport? I said, well, take a look at the image. He says, yeah, it's you. I said, okay, when can I get on the next flight? He says, the next flight's not till tomorrow. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I have no idea what I'm doing now because I've never actually gone out in London. I've only been, you know, through the airport a number of times. So I go back and I sit in the main terminal and I've come to the conclusion that I'm going to be waiting or sleeping on the floor in the terminal before this flight tomorrow takes off. 
Now I got to call home, call my staff, tell them what's happened. I won't be coming back this evening. I'm stuck. You're going to have to reschedule all the patients. And I'm not in a very good mood. I'm a little foul. But who wouldn't be sleeping on the floor in a foreign country just waiting to get home? So I decided to do something constructive with my time and... I took out a notebook and I began to write up a lesson plan for a course that I would be teaching in two weeks from that time in Dallas. And, you know, it's actually the course content was kind of ironic. It was on the cerebellum and how it integrates smooth, natural movement and all the kinds of incredible stuff that it can do. So I'm sitting there and I'm being constantly interrupted by a child, probably four, five, five or six. I can't remember. Um, but he was running back and forth, kicking a soccer ball. And I just kept thinking to myself, this kid's going to drive me nuts. I mean, who lets their kid run around the airport kicking soccer balls? Anyway, I just kept watching him. And finally, I, I started watching him because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't work on my, my syllabus anymore. I'm just kind of checking out, see what he's doing. And then I'm really closely, closely looking at him. And I go, what's up with him? Something's not right. This is in the back of my head. I'm not overly excited because I only saw it once, but he kept doing it over and over and over. And what I was witnessing was this weird little hiccup in his step, very subtle. But I kept looking at it and I kept watching it. And over and over, I kept seeing this little hiccup, this little stumble. It was hard to pick up unless you were trained to see it. And I was looking and looking. I looked over and I'm thinking, these must be his parents. They were young probably in the 30s. Here's this little boy and he's kicking the ball, that little hitch in the step. I'm thinking maybe it's a learned behavior. Maybe he's uncoordinated because he's not an athlete. What is it? Kept looking and looking. I finally said to the parents, there was a mom. And I said to her, is this your son? And she says, yes. I says, well, he's quite a little pistol, huh? She goes, oh yeah, he loves soccer. I said, how's his health? Is he healthy? She said, yeah, why? And she looked at me a little strange, like, who the hell are you? And I'm like, um, well, uh, the only reason I ask is because I'm a neurology doctor and I just coming from a conference in, in Zurich, I'm kind of stuck here for the night, but I've been watching your boy kick this ball around and he's got a kind of an interesting little hitch in his step. And she said, what? I said, watch when he kicks the ball. And she's running back and forth. And the mom says, yeah, okay, I, I guess. I don't really know. I said, well, I do. I said, so can I make a suggestion to you? She goes, okay. You know, and I'd already told her who I was and what I do. She said, what do you, what do you think is wrong? I said, oh, man, I, probably not much. But you know what? Where do you live? And she says, well, I live in Pennsylvania. And my friend Rob, who's a phenomenal neuro guy, I said, hey, maybe you should, can you get to Long Island? She says, oh, yeah. Actually, we go over there for work all the time. There's a small little, you know, twin engine thing we take over there. I'm like, oh. I said, well, let me give you the name and number of somebody. Matter of fact, he was just here with me. I helped him get on the flight. That's why I missed my flight. Let me give you his information. I said, go over and see him and um, have him call me when you get there. And I'll tell him what I saw. And I don't want you to be alarmed, but there was just something there that I'd like to see you get checked. Well, the husband looked at me a little strange, like, yeah, whatever. But you know, when it's your kids, it's pretty important to listen to whatever somebody says, you know, so as, as a professional, of course. So 
that was what uh, Mon- uh, Sunday, which is going into Monday morning for me over there. <clears throat> and by Friday, I get a phone call from Dr. Rob. Pete, what's going on? I said, nothing. What's happening? He says, hey, uh, some lady called me. I said, oh, wow, holy crud. That's cool. She goes, what did you see in this little boy? I said, he has a steppage gait in the right leg. And for you people at home, that's that little hitch in the step. And I said, it looks like something's going on in that cerebellum. It could be functional, but it could be pathological if I were you. And I'm not, but I would suggest that you take a look with an MRI, check the back of the brain. So he goes, okay, I'll get it done. And that was it. And I went back to my life and away I go. Six months later, I get an email from some random person. I open it up and it's an email to this woman from the brain surgeons at Johns Hopkins University Medical Hospital. And it it was about her son. He was diagnosed with a pancerebellar tumor. A big tumor. Pancerebellum means the entire cerebellum. There's a, there's a tumor growing on the back of his cerebellum, and there have only been five cases annually noted in the United States, and he was one of them. And the letter said to the mother that you should thank your physician for picking this up. And she said, he said to her, that's like one in a million. Somebody would pick this up without a whole bunch of other symptoms going on. I'm surprised he or she was able to do that. So she said, you know, it was actually a a doctor that I met in an airport in London who saw it and brought it to my attention. And that's how all this started. So I'm uh, kind of following the conversation on the email. And, you know, she forwarded it to me. And she had my information all this time from that from that moment in the airport, but had never contacted me. So she kind of caught me off guard. But when I really sat back and I, I, I read through it, you know, the, the final part of her email was, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You not only saved his life, but you saved mine. And I was completely humble pied. I was like, what on earth just happened? That was one of the coolest things in my career in working with, you know, patients or anybody, it was just really powerful. And it really got me to think and to reassess one simple principle that I want to share with you today. And it's this, you know, there are going to come times in your life when you should speak up. Now, I'm not saying speak up because you're opinionated and you need to fight and argue, but somewhere along the way, the person that you are has learned to see things in ways that no one else may have seen ever before. I mean, obviously, each one of us is a a powerful individual, very authentic to who we are. And in that moment, I realized something, that I had a skill. And I was able to observe something and bring it to someone else's attention based upon my own passions. And because I shared it, well, you know the outcome. And I would suggest to you, that you think about doing the same thing in your life. When you have expertise in something, when you know within the depth of your soul that you're looking at something that that is off, speak of it. Say something. It might save a life. And when it does, oh, that feeling in your soul of what it feels like to save another's life, it's just unbelievable. It doesn't always have to be about saving the life either, like they're going to, like it's life or death. It's just improving the quality of someone's life, you know? I was walking through the, through the mall. I walk, you know, like an hour a night and I try to keep up with um, all the things that I want to do. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I study 
biochemistry and other interesting things about brain and neurology and behavior. I'm listening to it on, you know, audio books and stuff. So I love to go for this walk. So a few months back, I'm walking in the mall and somebody tapped me on the shoulder and it scared me because I was really in, in the depths of what I was listening to with the headphones on. I had those Bose sound reducing headphones. I really like those. They're awesome. Anyway, so I'm walking along. This guy taps me on the shoulder and I, he startled me and I look back at him and it took me a second to take the headphones off. He had this big, giant, bushy beard and you know, I didn't really recognize him. But his first question, of course, is, do you recognize me? I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't. So you don't remember me? I said, no, I don't. He says, my name is Josh. And I looked into his eyes and I was like, Josh, Josh. And then I, I mentioned his last name. I don't want to say his last name on, on the uh, podcast, but I said, Josh blank blank. And he goes, yes. I'm like, oh, nice to see you. How are you doing? He says, geez, I'm doing really, really good. I mean, exceptional as a matter of fact, but I noticed you walking and I wanted to say something, but I was afraid. And I finally decided that, I'm going to follow you around without stalking you. And I wanted to thank you. And I said, oh, uh, okay. And he said, listen, when I saw you about 15 years ago, I was into drugs, alcohol, promiscuity. I was a mess, total mess. And you sat me down on multiple occasions and talked to me, not at me, but you talked to me. You shared with me some important principles that really resonated with me. And uh, I turned my life around. I literally quit the drugs and the alcohol. I married the woman that I had struggled with for so many years because I got my stuff together. Now I have children. I have a family. I couldn't be more fulfilled. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. And the last line he said was, you saved my life. And I was humbled again. I said, wow, well, I appreciate you saying that. And I'm honored that you allow me to be part of your, your journey. He said, I love you, brother. And he shook my hand, gave me a bro hug, and off I went. So I walked around that mall now for at least 10, 15 minutes just thinking. And then I realized I'm not actually listening to anything. I'm just smiling and I'm beaming from ear to ear. And I'm thinking, what does all this mean? I mean, in one instance, you speak up and it physically saves the life of a person. And on the other end, you just spend some time with people. Make sure that they understand that, that there are people who care for them, which may be their family and maybe somebody else like your doctor. Might be a friend, might be a stranger for crying out loud. I was really moved by the whole thing. And I thought, what's the message in these two things? It's that each one of us has experiences of life, which sets us apart from somebody else. And within that, there's passion, there's true passion. And if you speak of your passion to someone else in a way that's productive and not damaging to them, then you give them a chance to recognize perhaps that someone cares about them. And that right there is probably the most important thing that we can ever bestow on someone else. It's that someone cares about you right now in this moment. And if you're of really sound mind and experience and you can look at somebody and see something beautiful within them, you should consider, please, saying it. Now in this woke bullshit world that's surrounding us, at least in America, 
where everything has to be politically correct and you can't say it. Hey, you want to live that way? You're going to live with a with a filter and a mask over your head. I'm not living that way. I'm going to say it when I see it. And I'm going to make sure I say it for the right reason. And I hope you do the same. Each one of us deserves to see the authentic person within ourselves. But sometimes it's hard to see that. And then somebody with more experience, somebody with less emotional filters looks at you and says, I see the greatness in you. And you look and you say to yourself, what the heck are you? What? I'm nothing. I have no money. I'm not good looking. I don't own anything. Blah, 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 blah. It's just all crap. Remember that that's all worldly possession stuff. And I don't mean that you shouldn't have it all. I mean, go for it. But more than anything else, you have to remember this. The most important things in life you can't purchase. It can only be experienced. Birth of a child. Making love to your spouse. Donating your time and energy to somebody who's, you know, had loss. Picking people up when they're down. This is the true essence of life. Listen, I have nothing to tell you that says that I'm right when it comes to what life is all about. But when it feels incredible for me over and over to reach out and help people... It's really important. You understand humans, people, us, everyday people, for as long as man has been on this planet, man needs a tribe. It needs people around him or her to pick you up when you're feeling low, when you don't see in yourself that which is great, which is that is which is your passion. Somebody else might see it in you. And I hope if that's you that sees it, that you say something, you say something to someone while they're struggling, while they're upset, while all they can see is the negative, angry side of their situation. Stop them for a moment. Take a deep breath and say, hey, listen, I see greatness in you. You're compassionate. You're loving. And that's why this situation hurts so bad. But never forget that you are who you are. Stay in your lane. Learn to discover yourself. And in this moment, I want you to take this with you, that I see something incredible in you. I see this immense capacity for you to be somewhere amazing. And if you can't see it right now, it's okay. Let me see it for you. Love and support that journey. You know, when I was a kid, and I was heading off to, to college for the first time when I was 18. I took all the memories of my life and I packed them up into boxes. And recently I opened up a bunch of them. And one of them was a bunch of recommendation letters that I had received on my way to college. And I was amazed at how many things were said about me by people who knew me that were adults that were older. The things that they said were actually all the things that I became. There were those that saw in me the same which I see in the next generation and in the others around me. And this, my friends, to me, is the true essence of life. This is what, it, this is what makes it amazing, is that humans need tribes, just like bees need hives. What the heck good is a bee unless it has a hive? Well, it coalesces together around a certain hierarchy that can make the sweetest nectar known to, ma- known to nature. Honey, get it? We need each other. We always did. It's worth your time to speak up, to help another person when they're down. Why kick them when they're down? That says volumes about who you are, that you'll try to, you know, step on somebody to get to the next level. Is that who you truly want to be? Or do you want to build a network of people around you, a tribe of people that love and and, and have caring for you and you for them, that when you're in your darkest hour, they're there for you? And then it flips when you come out of your dark hour. 
They're ours now. You help them. We need to learn to love each other on a consistent basis and make sure that when you have an opportunity to speak some sort of truth about someone, something that you feel, that's really the true essence of what life is all about. Nothing more, at least not in my eyes. And while I live by that doctrine, each day is a gift and an opportunity to help someone else. And that there, sister and brother, makes me feel absolutely, undeniably incredible. It makes this life worth living. I know that when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to start out with my best foot forward, and I'm going to go try and help every person I can, and they'll compensate me financially at my business so that I can take care of my family. You see, everybody wins when we come together. We coalesce together. It's absolutely so important that you recognize this. Otherwise, you'll try to bend steel every day, trying to make everything fit the way you need it. And it's not going to. You get it? The most important thing is to help others around you. The more you do that, the better you'll be. See in them what they don't see in themselves. And I'll guarantee you on some level, you're actually seeing part of yourself within them. And that right there is the meaning of life. So that's what I have for you today. It was on my heart. I wanted to say it. And um, man, I got to tell you something else. My podcast is, you know, thousands and thousands of, of new downloads every month. And I think it's amazing how we're able to sit here with technology and just talk to the world. And so if you're listening from the States... Well, thank you. But also, if you're listening from overseas and there's plenty of you, thank you so much for tuning in. I really love having this opportunity to share my life and my experiences with you in hopes that your life will be better as well. I want to say hi to just a couple of people as well. I want to say hi to my friend Mark Wambolt. Um, Mark is somebody that I have respected for a number of years and recently he said that he's been listening to the podcast and that um, it's helped him and he's impressed with the level of professionalism that he hears. So, Mark, thank you for your feedback. I think that's amazing. Um, one other newcomer, Susie. I won't use your last name, Susie, but man, thank you so much for tuning in and listening and then sharing these messages and these podcasts with others really keeps people on track. So I just want to say thanks. Any rate, listen, I hope you have an awesome day today and uh, I got to go now. It's Dr. Pete. I shall see you next time on the Daily Inspirational Podcast. <laughs>